Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day, there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And we're going to have so much fun talking with my guest today, and she typically works with female entrepreneurs. But gentlemen, there will be good advice in here for you too. And I bet you know somebody that you need to share this information with, whether it's a spouse a daughter, uh, a partner, a cohort, any of those things. So pay attention. Please join me in welcoming Eleanor Beaton to our program today. Welcome, Eleanor. How are you doing today? I am on fire. I'm so excited to be here with you. It's a privilege to be with a fellow podcaster. I love it. I love it. And yes, you do have a podcast and we will talk about that in a little bit because it's, it is a fantastic podcast, one that I think everybody needs to listen to. So, you know, I think it's, uh, we will definitely talk about that. So let me tell people a little bit about you and then we will dive into this. So Eleanor Beaton is the founder of Safi Media, an education and coaching company for women entrepreneurs. Through Safi Media and her podcast, Power, presence, position. Eleanor and her team are committed to advancing global gender equality through women's entrepreneurship. They're on a mission to double the number of women entrepreneurs who scale past $1 million in revenue by 2030. Eleanor's work has been published or quoted in publications including The Globe and Mail, The Atlantic, CBC, Chatelaine, and more. So again, Eleanor, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Honored to be here. Great. Well, I always ask my guests how they got to where they are today and how you discovered that this is your passion in life. I think that where I am today is really a continuation of a fire that has been burning in me from a very young age. I really am my mother and father's daughter. Mm -hmm. So I grew up, I'm an immigrant to Canada. Um, My mom is a black woman from the Fiji Islands. Ah. My father uh, was from Wales. He was Welsh. Mm -hmm. He was a professor. Mm -hmm. So we immigrated to Canada when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And here's the deal. My mom was when they when she and my dad first got together, she was the main breadwinner. She had she made more money than he did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was a teacher. She had it all going on. Mm-hmm. They get married, they immigrate to a totally new culture. Mm-hmm. And for her as an immigrant, she's looking around, nobody looks like her. She's like, who's gonna? I don't know that I feel comfortable yet having a babysitter. This is a completely different culture. So she Mm -hmm. became a stay-at-home mom. Okay. And she was, um, my parents had a great relationships in many ways, but she was financially disempowered. And so I can remember her wanting to invest, wanting to do more investment in in mutual funds and stocks. And my dad, who was a conservative economist, was like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. So I remember being 14 years old. She's driving me to basketball and she says, Eleanor, money is power. Mm -hmm. Women need to make their own money. 
So this is like this fire burning. Mm -hmm. At the same time, my dad, who is a professor, he turned down a big multi-six-figure corporate job to become a professor. Mm. He was very big on balance. He never worked past 4 p.m., he never worked on weekends. Mm-hmm. His assignments and and uh, you know uh, exams were always the first that were marked. Mm-hmm. He believed that the key to success in business and in life was to be really focused and disciplined and have a ton of open time. Mm. And so I would say the quest to have open time mm-hmm. and the desire for women's economic empowerment mm-hmm. has really driven where I am today, you know, through the work that I do with mm-hmm. women founders, it's all about building jewel businesses. So these are companies that scale 30% or more top line growth year over year until mm-hmm. such time as the founder wants to accelerate or decelerate mm-hmm. growth, mm-hmm. 30% profitability mm-hmm. so that you can build your financial fortress mm-hmm. and 30% open time for the founder. When I think about this unique work that we do, that is anchored in my childhood. Mm-hmm. I love that. You know, and I love the concept of open time. Um, you know, and, and I always kind of laugh when people say there's a work-life balance because, you know, that's, that's uh, on a teeter-totter. I mean, that's 50-50, right? To get that balance. And that never, ever happens. But to, to deliberately say, I am not going to be a workaholic is very difficult for women business owners and business owners in general, because, you know, we're like, ah, uh, Email came in at 1030 at night. I, I, I better check it. Oh, you know, maybe I should do this thing on Sunday, you know, and, and all of those things. So talk a little bit more about that. Okay. Yeah. This is one of my favorite topics. And it's so interesting. Like a big part of the work that I do with women founders is really around studying them, <laughs> you know, and doing research. And one of the things that I've seen is just how... So many women, you know, that I talk to are obsessed with this idea of taking sabbaticals from their business. Like I've, I mm-hmm. literally have talked to a lot of women who want to mm-hmm. take three months, four months. Mm-hmm. And on the one hand, I get it. Like I saw right. Brene Brown today. Mm-hmm. She, she Yesterday, she posted on social that she's taking mm-hmm. a three-month sabbatical from social media, from podcasts. Mm-hmm. She's Brene Brown. Right. Okay? She can do Brene that. She can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and her business continues. I mean, that's exactly. the important thing to know. Right. Like... Mm-hmm very established Mm -hmm. company who can hire the best of the best, Mm -hmm. you know? So my question has always been, what is it about the business that makes you feel like you need a three month sabbatical? Mm -hmm. Because to me, you know, open time, Mm -hmm. people think it's about not having accountability, Mm -hmm. about having unlimited amounts of time to go around and do whatever they want. I actually think freedom comes from structure and discipline and that when we, like my dad's example, Mm -hmm. like really putting in the work, being very, very focused when he was Mm -hmm. working and then modeling what it looks like to be truly free and open. Mm -hmm. There's a few dynamics here. One is this concept of workaholism. And I don't know about you, Deb, but I love my business. It is fun. Right. I enjoy mm-hmm. doing it. Right. If so, I want to so work, check right? your email at 1030 like, at night. If I want to like, do yeah. it, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Exactly. I'm not going to feel guilty. Like, that's okay. And also, I'll give you a very specific example. This the, On Friday morning from 10 to 12, you know where I'll be? Uh, let's I'll see. On the beach, uh, with your kids. On my back, getting my eye, my my fake eyelashes filled. Ah, I love it. <laughs> you know I love I mean? it. Like, mm-hmm. like that's you know, I get to do that, and mm-hmm. I also get to you know work at ten o'clock at night if I want to. Mm-hmm. I think balance is really about you know, are you nourished energetically? Okay. 
do you have time mm-hmm. to um, to think and dream? Mm-hmm. Are you always doing, or mm-hmm. are there places in your calendar where you can just be? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have to look like the classic mm-hmm. industrial era, right? Nine to five, like that mm-hmm. work construct was invented during the industrial era right. to maximize labor efficiency. When your machines were turned on, yes. then your machines were turned off. That's right. Or we the shift work, changed. Exa- or the shift changed. Mm-hmm. Like, And we keep, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of overestimate how impactful that model of work has been. But it, it you know, it, it's been relatively recent in terms of human mm-hmm. history, mm-hmm. you know, to work in that way. We are much more working here and then resting and then here and then resting and finally shutting it down. Yeah. So typically yeah. we worked based on the sun. Yes. You know, you were, you were outside doing when there was sunlight, which meant yes. you did a lot more in the summer. And, you know, and, and then in the winter, you scaled things back because it yeah. was dark. Yes. <laughs> and you felt like hibernating, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the biggest things that, that people saw because of the pandemic was the shift in that when all of a sudden they were home. Um, you know, and, and still, and, and having to figure things out. And I loved it when, you know, so many people said, oh my gosh, this is so hard to have to figure out what to do with the kids and that this and that, that. And I'm thinking, you clearly have never been a mother, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and I say that never having been a mother, but I have <laughs> lots of friends who are. And so, you know, women have been juggling their schedules forever, you know, mothers yeah. are not mothers. I mean, you know, because there's, mm-hmm. there's so many things that, that women do, but I think it really was. A, a you know a, a dash of cold water in in the face of businesses and employees when they had all of a sudden these these schedules where the the big thing was of course not commuting i mean so many yeah. people have saved so many hours by not doing that but then you know the the whole work from home how are you going to arrange everything and i think many people really did discover and businesses discovered you know what if they get the work done We Mm -hmm. don't care when they do it. Now, clearly, you know, there were meetings that you have to attend and and all of those things. But if somebody said, yeah, I work better at 10 p.m., if they got the work done, the boss went, "Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, and I think what so many organizations saw was actually spikes in productivity. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, Major increases in productivity because uh, people, they, they didn't yet have that boundary mm-hmm. that you develop when you work at home. I mean, right. I've worked at home since 2003. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I have developed boundaries that prevent me from overworking mm-hmm. because in those early years of my first business, mm-hmm. I overworked. Like I just worked all the time. There right. were I, there wasn't a go to work. There was no clear delineation, mm-hmm. but I definitely think the pandemic saw this you know, big increases in productivity that companies are now figuring out how do we deal with this now that we're back to, you know, now that we're whatever back we're to, back to, yeah, <laughs> whatever we're back to some form of hybrid mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here's the thing. When I think about balance for entrepreneurs and whether you're uh, a man, a woman or any, whoever you are, um, 
for for most high performers, you know, in the beginnings of our career, we think about balance in terms of our ability to manage our time. Mm -hmm. And most of the founders that I work with, by the time you've got an established business, you're making some sales. Like it takes it, it takes an extraordinary person to do that to create mm -hmm. something out of nothing. There's a reason that ninety percent right. of businesses fail. Mm -hmm. It's because it's not easy. So if you're in the ten percent, congratulations. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to offer to those people that time management is not your issue. Mm -hmm. So if you're working in your business and feeling burnt out mm -hmm. and you start taking more and more time management courses and you mm -hmm. start getting into all and of feeling these elaborate, guiltier and guiltier, right? feeling guiltier and guiltier, what I would say is it's not you. It's potentially the system in which you're operating in your business. And here's what I mean. You know, um, in my very first business, I was a consultant. Mm -hmm. I sold my time. I was mm -hmm. um, one of the top, you know, paid consultants mm -hmm. in my field in the country at that time. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, I still had to work mm -hmm. for my supper mm -hmm. week after week, month mm -hmm. after month. If I stopped doing the consulting work, I stopped getting paid. Right, mm -hmm. and so right, and I still then had to do the work, find new clients. Mm -hmm close those clients. Mm -hmm. So it was exhausting and I was right. stuck in a delivery trap. Mm -hmm. And I mm -hmm. tried to do everything I could to be more efficient with my time. Um, and, but there were limits to that. And that's when I realized, you know what? It's not about me managing my time anymore. Like I know how to manage my time. I'm not a big time procrastinator. If I'm procrastinating, it's probably because I need to take a break. Mm -hmm. What I realized is my business was not set up to offer me the freedom to grow. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I really started taking a look at how can I create assets in my business that work for me? I don't believe that, you know, I don't believe in this myth of making money in your sleep necessarily. But what I meant was as a consultant, I had to do all the work. Today, I codify the work that I do. So if I do it with a hundred people and it works, <laughs> That to me says, okay, it's time to codify this. Mm -hmm. um, and it could be a program. It could be a course for sure. But very often it's professional development for my own staff and really becoming, you know, I remember talking to an accountant. I was like, the companies, the entrepreneurs that you work with who sell their companies for the most money, what do they have in common? And he's like, they see themselves as professional development organizations in the business of developing systems and processes and being impeccable trainers of their staff so that they can do what the founder once did. Right. So once you start to think, I call this asset thinking, it's what I teach in my programs. Once you begin to practice asset thinking and scale your business that way, you escape the pressure of managing time constantly and you begin to be a creator of assets and those assets work for you and you start to have a lot more freedom. I love that. You know, and it's, I think it's the, the, you know, it's, it's, as you said, it's that hamster wheel that we get on and, and we just keep going and just keep going. And, you know, no way can we take a three month sabbatical. We can't take a three day sabbatical, right? We end up working weekends, holidays, all of those things. Even if it's just, I got to check my email. I got to, you know, all these, these various things. And, We've we've talked about this on the program a lot. One of the, the biggest things that people have absolutely got to learn, especially when they're starting out, is the word delegate. <laughs> you know, yes. Right? And and it's you know, I'm not saying people have to hire, you know, 20 full-time employees, but maybe you 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 hire someone to do your accounting. 
And, and yes, I know that as you know, when you're just starting out, that's sometimes difficult. So there are, you know, you can barter, you can do all sorts of things. And, and, uh, but, but yeah, to the, the, the founder of the company needs to be working on the, that, you know, what they want to do, not yes. doing the invoicing, the HR, the, this, the, that, um, you know, and, and, and now they do have to be in sales. I always love oh, it. Oh, yes. Yeah, yep. you know, and, and agreed, you know, agreed. And, yeah, you know, and, and and it's funny because I want to talk about a concept that that you have, um, but you know, uh, and it's funny, you know, we all, you know, you have to do sales, and we all go, ooh, sales, <laughs> right? Ugh. I'm sorry, you are if you own your business or are senior management, you are in sales. <laughs> now you might hire salespeople, you know, and, and be able to do that. But you still should be promoting your business, no matter what it is. You need to be doing that, and you know, and and but but yeah, other things you can delegate, and and you yes. you can and should be doing that. Find the people who are the experts and have them do it. Yes, I couldn't agree more. And so there's two things there, you know, this idea of delegating and the idea of being in sales. So I'm going to start with being in sales and just say, preach, hallelujah, mm-hmm. say it again louder for the mm-hmm. people in the back. I can't emphasize that enough. Because honestly, when a founder says they don't want to be in sales, Mm -hmm. what that really, to me, the danger of that is that what you're, what you're at, the message that you're sending is that your belief in what you do isn't big enough, Mm -hmm. isn't strong enough to, you know, for you to feel called that you have to get this out, Mm -hmm. you know, into the world or Mm -hmm. out in front of the right people or whatever. And so if it's not strong enough, my thing is don't ditch sales. Ask yourself, why not? Mm-hmm. What okay. would need to be true mm-hmm. in order for me to make sure that I feel proud and I am willing to go all in and 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 face rejection, mm-hmm. um, face embarrassment, hear no's in order to you know really bring mm-hmm. my offer out in front of people. So I 100% agree with right. that. Right. Yeah, if you, know? you don't want to promote your own business, you shouldn't be doing it. Honestly, you shouldn't. And and there's so much, there's so much sort of fragility right now that like sometimes people don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, no, it's the truth. Like, mm-hmm. go do something else. So entrepreneurship right now is really celebrated. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up, like when I started my first business, I didn't right. know everybody of went. Entrepreneurs. Yeah, they were like, why would you do yeah. that? Like, no, 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 you must. Yeah, businesses? or or isn't that a cute little hobby that Eleanor yeah. has? It's mm. a hobby, or you couldn't get a real job. Like that's what uh-huh. I was like. Now uh-huh. entrepreneurship is cool, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to argue that proportionally the proportions are not necessarily going to change i i just don't right. see evidence that the proportion of successful mm-hmm. entrepreneurs changes 90% are still going to be out of business right. because of what we're talking about mm-hmm. right now right, right. Yeah. yeah you know and and because it it is very hard to be an entrepreneur um, yes. you know and and it's it it is something that you know, there's, there's obviously outside forces, you know, yes. COVID aside, you know, yes. It, it, yes. it's difficult, but it is difficult because you're thinking you at least need to know a little bit about all of those things. I mean, I need to know that my taxes were done correctly. I yes. need to know how they were done, but I need to know that they were done correctly. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, it's, it's all of those things, but in many cases it is, Excuse me. I think the biggest reason entrepreneurs fail is they don't plan. 
Um, mm. You know, and, and more importantly, and, and I, I, you know, I think part of that planning is figuring out who the heck you're going to sell your product to. My favorites are when you ask somebody, and there's a commercial going on right now that just drives me nuts here in the States. I don't know if you have it in Canada, but when, you know, it says, who is, you know, everyone is my, is our client because they're selling skincare products. And I laugh about that because yeah, everybody has skin, but not everybody's going to buy that product because of expense, because of, of whatever. And I go back to years ago when I was networking in Colorado and we had to give up our, give, you know, give our little 30 second spiel. And this wonderful woman sold skincare products and she's, you know, and who is your client? Everyone, right? Because everybody has skin. But then when we were asked to provide referrals, we couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, it was like, uh, and, and so she started working on her niche and came up with, and it was a really small niche, which was really scary because she's thinking there's not a lot of money in it. Yeah. But her niche was 16-year-old boys who have acne. And every single one of us knew somebody to refer her oh, to. Oh, yes. Yes. You know, and and if that's you are a what mom it's, yeah. or a dad of that 16-year-old yeah. boy, you will pay whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and maybe you had a 17-year-old daughter. Okay, you know, same product yeah. is going to work. Or you had a friend or whatever. But but yeah, I mean, we immediately knew somebody who could use that product. Yes. And and that's part of the thing about niching is it, it is so important. So talk to us a little bit more about that. Okay. Niching is fabulously important. And I love that example. So do you mind if I use that example? You may. I'll, you I'll, may. I'll you cite may, you. May, I'll you cite you even, because yeah. come on, like that's amazing. And, and I think it's like Neutrogena who says our product yeah. is for everyone. Well, I'm yeah. sorry. Neutrogena is a little bit more expensive. I mean, clearly it's not on the high end, but you know, no, it is not for everyone. Exactly. And I think it becomes this problem of entrepreneurs um, mistaking where they are and the resources that they have with mass market people like Mm -hmm. Neutrogena also has massive amounts of money Mm -hmm. to blast markets, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. with, so niching is really all about um, what do you stand for? Mm-hmm. Who are you for? What practical problem do you solve for mm-hmm. what specific person? Right. You know, and it's it's about making choice. Mm-hmm. And so I think as entrepreneurs, we don't, we have this, you know, we're actually not wired to niche down. Mm-hmm. So well, we don't want to leave money on the table. We don't want to leave money someone. on the table. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. But what happens is that when we send a general message, it doesn't cut through the clutter. Mm-hmm. We can't specifically call out somebody to refer to them. Mm-hmm. And so our marketing loses its power. Right. But the other thing that I really see is what happens on the delivery side and the fulfillment mm-hmm. side. So when you aren't niched in properly, mm-hmm. one of the things that can happen is that especially as a consultant or a service provider, you start bringing into your company fairly broad a fairly broad subsection of the marketplace. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's say you are a marketing consultant Mm -hmm. and um, you haven't niched down, you're just for everybody. And so Mm -hmm. you have a few big companies, you have Mm -hmm. a few law firms, you have a couple of fitness trainers, Mm -hmm. you have a local gym, you have a Cairo studio, like whatever. So you have Mm -hmm. all of these people coming in. And for each one of these groups, the marketing strategy is going to look different. Tactics are going to look different. Social channels are going to look different. Mm -hmm. 
Now you go and try and number one, serve those clients. Now you go and try to find um, employees Mm -hmm. who can serve all of those different clients. You're looking for a unicorn, Mm -hmm. i.e. you're looking for yourself Mm -hmm. and entrepreneurs are not going to find themselves. So niching is not just, it doesn't just help you get the most out of your marketing dollars. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't just help you sell more effectively. It helps you deliver in a more focused way. Mm-hmm. It actually helps you scale. So a lot of times when a service provider isn't niched in, they're, they are drowning with complexity mm-hmm. and they are the only person because of the unique talents that it takes to be an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. They think everyone is like them. Right. They're not. You know, mm-hmm. talk to any service provider. Mm-hmm. They're typically like the master service provider. Mm-hmm. They're trying to find others like them. You're not going mm-hmm. to. You have to make decisions and give people focused areas that mm-hmm. they can focus on and own and scale. But you know, there's something else, which is that we just know that people's specialty, you know, the other aspect of niching is that you can charge a lot more. Right. So who gets paid more? A um a cardiologist or a general practitioner? Right. Mm-hmm. Like we pay we and pay pines. for that expertise. That's right. We really, really do. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's so much about niching. I think when small businesses aren't niched in, mm-hmm. they're just simply leaving money on the table. Right. And I know it's scary. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, of course, is that it's really hard to do yourself because you can't read the label from inside the mm-hmm. bottle. So that's why like in the programs that I run, that's our specialty. We don't work to help, like our specialty is helping companies scale from several hundred thousand to over a million. Mm -hmm. We don't start the work until we're confident that they have a really good clear niche. So that's what we do Mm -hmm. first always. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times a brand new business does not have that. No. Because they haven't been able to develop Yeah, they haven't. And that's fine. Like I didn't have a niche when I first got started, but I, I love this. You're right. Like you have to start and see what works, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when people, like if they're just starting, Mm -hmm. I would say, don't worry about a niche, just go Mm -hmm. sell, like see who's coming. What Mm -hmm. do you like? What, but once you're Mm -hmm. consistently getting some Mm -hmm. sales and you know that you're ready to scale Mm -hmm. up, I I couldn't agree with you more. That's when, Mm -hmm. you know, your stuff, Deb, this is why it's called, it's not called the business power hour. I know. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's learning from all my guests, right? <laughs> you know, and, and I, you know, I love that it's, you know, as you know, when you're starting out, you uh, now granted, there are some, you know, you have a very specific product maybe. And, and so it's only going to appeal, you know, so you've, you've yes. niched just by your product, exactly. but in many cases, you really are just trying to figure it out, you yeah. know, uh, and, uh, and especially if you're in the consulting type of area, yes. you know, marketing is, is a great example of that. You're thinking, okay, I'm going to take any client that comes along, but wow, I really like working with dentists. Yeah, I was at the dentist yesterday, so that's top of mind, right? Um, and so, so you start thinking, okay, what can I do better for dentists? Oh, hey, I like learning this for dentists. Yes, so it just might naturally evolve into that, and then from there, you can kind of go out. You know, you might work with orthodontists or you know other types of medical providers, but you know, if somebody comes to you and said, "Hey, I'm a bank," you politely decline and say, "Here's <laughs> someone else who can help you." You know, and, and I always tell people that's the, the thing to do is if, if at all possible, send them to someone else. Just don't say, no, nah, yes. don't do that. Nah. <laughs> Refer them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And, you know, this is so interesting. I agree. I think you, you, that's, you know, for those of you who are in startup, don't worry about niching yet, mm-hmm. like get a base, mm-hmm. but then something interesting happens. So I was um, working with some clients yesterday 
in a program I run called Power Presence Position. And this is like that niching program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so we're taking a look and we were really talking through their clients. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, you have to have clients in order to be able to do this. Right. Uh Mm -hmm. Right. And what they found, so one had worked with a hundred clients. So, um, and what she found was that the top five of her clients, five of her clients Mm -hmm. contributed 75% of the company's sales. So close to that 80-20 rule that we hear about. Totally. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, and that the other 95 clients Mm -hmm. produced 25%. Mm -hmm. Now then I asked. And probably took a lot more of the work too. Right. right? Exactly. I'm like, Mm -hmm. who produced the lion's share of the headaches? And whenever I say this, like, you know, when we talk about like headache clients, I I always want to be very respectful because I always appreciate for any business owner and, you know, any of you out there, anybody who is coming and investing in your business, that's a valuable human, like that's a wonderful thing. And so I always want to watch how I Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. say that, but there are some who for various reasons are going to be a little bit more challenging to work with. They Mm -hmm. might not be as profitable and Mm -hmm. there could be somebody who is much better positioned Mm -hmm. to, so they could be Mm -hmm. the top 5% for somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So Anish, so it's really all about, and I was like, what would happen if we released 75% or 95% of your client base? Mm-hmm. And they went, ah! I know they went, oh, <laughs> and then I'm like, just breathe. I'm here with you. Just breathe. Mm-hmm. What would happen? And so there was a lot of freaking out. And I was like, you don't have to do this. Mm-hmm. Let's just think about what would happen. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually wouldn't need half my staff. Mm. Um, so I'd be making the same, so big profits or uh, she's like, but I don't want to let them go. I was like, you don't have to, Right. you don't have to, if you don't want to, mm-hmm. what else, what might they do? Well, actually we could probably put in this referral campaign mm-hmm. that we just haven't had time to do right. because those five, <laughs> they suck up they all have the lots time. Of friends. Right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they could, so you start to see these more simple ways of growing that, you know, growing from what you already have. And (coughs) I call this scaling with sufficiency. It's not always about reaching for what you don't have. It's about understanding and studying and valuing what you do have and looking at how can I leverage what I have to Mm -hmm. generate more. Mm -hmm. And it's very effective. Mm -hmm. Um, It feels good. Like there's something about growing that Mm -hmm. way that I've always found just feels good. Like I remember, be, you know, my my parents raising me, my my um, to really value. Like this was it, embedded into both mm-hmm. family lineage mm-hmm. to value what you had, mm-hmm. you know, and to and to protect and take care of the things mm-hmm. that you have, and that's the way that you grow more of it. Mm-hmm. And to be okay releasing what you don't value, right. but if you value it, protect it, take mm-hmm. care of it, right, honor it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. Now, when you work with clients, one of the things that you do is a pain audit. Yes. What the heck is that? Oh my gosh, it's going to change your life. Okay, so pain. I do pain audits on audits mm-hmm. on myself as well. As a, a business owner, mm-hmm. maybe you've encountered this. You're just tough. Mm-hmm. <coughs> you're gritty. Mm-hmm. Like you can take things. We can take things. Like mm-hmm. how many times have you recorded a pot? You gotten up in the morning. Maybe you had three interviews that day. Mm-hmm. You're not feeling that well, mm-hmm. and you're just like, okay, I have three power hours mm-hmm. today. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't really want to do it. 
but I'm going to do it. I I can do it. I can do it. Mm -hmm. I can do it. Like I'm going to get my green tea. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take some time. I'm going to do whatever I Mm -hmm. need to do to show Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. So we're used to showing up and there's a part of that, that is a requirement, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, there's a requirement Mm -hmm. uh, that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. But the flip side of it is that we can become uh, numb Mm -hmm. to uh, things that we're tolerating to problems. Ah. You're just so used to tolerating the mess. Mm -hmm. You never clean up your office. You're Mm -hmm. so used to tolerating, you know, um, being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. that what happens is that you, you don't address problems Mm -hmm. because you you've become used to tolerating them. And and Mm so a lot of times you can create tremendous growth Mm -hmm. by taking the time to really audit what, you know, where are the pain points? Mm -hmm. What am I tolerating? And so if you sat down, if any listener after this episode, you go and you sit down and you just gently ask yourself, what am I tolerating right now? So I'll do it. Mm -hmm. I'm tolerating right now. I'm tolerating that. um, We have a housekeeper who comes once per week Mm -hmm. and it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Like we're scaling our business. My mm-hmm. husband is my business partner. We mm-hmm. have two boys that are 11 and 15. We put, oh. we really want, right? Mm-hmm. We want to invest our time in, and we do in coaching them in mm-hmm. sports and just mm-hmm. being with them and, and not having to pick up the towels and, do and the not dishes. having to pick up and do yeah. all of the cleaning. Mm-hmm. And we are in a position where we are privileged and have the ability to pay for help. Right. But I've been tolerating not having that help. Mm-hmm. And for I'm whatever also, reasons, like you said, you get used reasons. to it. You yeah. get used to it, you know? And I'm also tolerating the fact that, you know what? Um, I don't do any cooking. My mm-hmm. husband does all of the cooking. He's the mm-hmm. cook in the house and he loves it. But you know what? He gets tired of it too. Mm-hmm. And we're tolerating not having extra support right. in terms of food prep. Mm-hmm. So this is other thing that I'm... Mm-hmm. and. So, so then often one of the biggest impacts that you can do on your life and your energy is just to go and deal with that one thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So you really check in Mm -hmm. what's creating pain Mm -hmm. right now. What am I tolerating? Mm -hmm. And one by one, you start releasing and eliminating the things that you're tolerating and it frees up your energy. Right. And so now you have energy to pursue growth. Mm -hmm. The problem for so many entrepreneurs is they are trying to pursue growth from a deficit energy, from an energy Mm -hmm. deficit. Mm -hmm. And then they're wondering why it's so hard, Mm -hmm. you know, and what I have learned- And they think, I just want to go flip hamburgers for somebody. I just want to go flip, or I have a time management issue. Mm -hmm. No, you do not. (laughs) So this way, just to start, it's like- you know, a blister, mm-hmm. you know, you're hiking and it just mm-hmm. keeps rubbing and it just, mm-hmm. and you're kind of used to it. And then all of a sudden right. you have a blister and you're in pain and then you can't walk, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that's what the pain on it does. Mm-hmm. It's, it really helps you get over your, mm-hmm. your grit, mm-hmm. really check in with, you know, what you've been tolerating mm-hmm. and gently right. one at a time, begin to mm-hmm. eliminate those things to mm-hmm. really free up energy that can be used first to be creative. Right. And then to go mm-hmm. out and deploy, mm-hmm. you know, to getting the things that you right. really want. Right. And sometimes it can be a simple fix. And, and one of those fixes where you're like, God, I should have done this years ago. Right. You know, I hate invoicing. I hate invoicing. I mean, you know, I, it's necessary evil, obviously. But, you know, there were times where I think, oh, crap, I totally forgot to invoice for last month. And I have some clients that are, are long-term clients. You know, we, we invoice them every month. And bless their hearts, they'd send me notes and say, you didn't invoice us. And I'm like, oh, rah, rah, rah. And, you know, and, and, and it's easy. I mean, you know, it's poke the button away. It goes that type of thing. And when I discovered that 
QuickBooks, which is what I use, I can automate invoicing. I'm like, oh my God, you know, and, and now if, if there's something that has changed, obviously I have to change it for that. But that, and aside from anything else, that took several hours away from me doing something that was painful. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and now the invoices just go, I get the emails. So that way I know that they you get paid. Like, yeah. You know, and I don't have my clients going, excuse me. <laughs> Bless them, because other people would have said sorry. Too bad, um, but but yeah, I mean you know just simple things like that, or you know uh, updating your website. Now I love to update. I tinker. I like doing that. I like playing. But it is not an efficient use of my time. So I have what I call the fifteen minute rule. If it's going to take me longer than fifteen minutes, it gets outsourced. Um, you know, and, and I've got great people that I outsource to depending on what the need is. And, you know, that frees me up. And, and because I'm, I'm like, you know, squirrel, I can go down those rabbit holes and just keep going down those rabbit holes. And, and, you know, all of a sudden I've lost four hours of time that I really shouldn't have. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, just one of those things. Think about what you can have, you know, somebody else do. Well, and the other side of this that I think is fascinating is this idea that, you know, the reason that it's so critical Mm -hmm. to do this and to start outsourcing Mm -hmm. this kind of thing is that entrepreneurs don't grow into pain and discomfort. Right. So Mm -hmm. you have to really watch. So for example, if you, um, as an entrepreneur, I always pay attention if, let's say I want to hire a contractor. Mm -hmm. And if they are slow to respond, Mm -hmm. that tells me that they don't have their business streamlined. Right. And that they don't actually Mm -hmm. want the sale Mm -hmm. because the sale would create more headaches for them. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And why would you want more headaches? And Mm so I, you know, like I think a big you know, responsibility mm-hmm. as the leader of a growing entrepreneurial company is to look for those places, is to pay attention like to the discomfort, to the pain, right. to the things mm-hmm. that feel heavy, because those are all the things that addressing those, they can be simple things like you mm-hmm. just said. It could be just a switch mm-hmm. that you make. They're simple things often, and it frees up so mm-hmm. much capacity for growth. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really powerful. Right. You know, and one of those things is you know, we're getting rid of those clients that either aren't profitable, are the pains in the you know what's. Yes. Um, and I, I tell people, you know, I have a PETA tax, pain in the, mm-hmm. oh. right? you know, of course you don't put that on the invoice, but exactly, you, know, you just, you charge them more yeah, because you, you know that they're going to be a pain. You have to, yes. Well, you know, and, and, yeah, and when you're starting out, you do have some, some pain in the <clears throat> clients, yeah. but you know, get rid of them as soon as you can. Because yes. for one thing, you're probably not giving them your best work. So yep. maybe that's why they're a pain. You know, it's that, yes. you know, hey, Deb, how come you haven't responded to us? Hey, Deb, how come, you know? Yes. And it's, you know, and, and so gently push them aside. Again, do a referral if you can, things like that. But yeah, if, if you're feeling pain, they're feeling the pain. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, and I, I kind of think about clean money only. Mm-hmm. And we have a clean money only policy, you know, in our company. And again, it didn't start out like this because you have to, there's some trial and error to really understand who, you know, who are we going to be able to show up for all in? 
And what types of clients are we going to be able to serve at the highest level? And what types are best served elsewhere? Mm -hmm. You know, but I think about that as clean money. So if if I don't feel amazing, Mm -hmm. you know, um, then I'm going to refer them somewhere else. Mm Um, if the offer that I'm offering doesn't feel amazing, like Mm -hmm. if if there's parts of the offer that for our company are just Mm -hmm. really hard. And this doesn't mean that we don't sometimes do stuff we don't want to do. That's not what I'm talking about, Mm -hmm. but clean money, you know, like thinking about a clean Mm -hmm. money only only policy Mm -hmm. is really powerful. Again, it's Mm -hmm. this energetic thing Mm -hmm. where over time you just gradually, and it's like this theme that we've been talking about. You just gradually address the things that are weighing you down, Mm -hmm. the offers, the clients, Mm -hmm. the processes, the things in your home life. You just gradually gently start to eliminate them Mm -hmm. and your whole business starts getting reoriented into a place that's highly optimized. Mm -hmm. And that's the place that, and that fuels growth. Mm -hmm. It fuels tremendous growth. So yeah, I love what you're saying there. Mm -hmm. Well, and and it it does because when we're happy and you know and and things like that, it 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 feeds on itself. You know? Yeah, and, and and when you make clients happy, they're more likely to refer you. Um, totally, you know, and and all of those various things. But yeah, I mean, I know that I have clients that you know I I did an okay job for right. Yes, and I, you got the work done. You did it maybe on time, you yes. know, or, and, and all of those things. And, and I wonder, you know, somebody said, yeah. Hey, what was it like to work with Deb? If they would have said, it's okay. I, know, I mean, it's, I it's kind of like the thing, you know, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, how are you? Fine. Right. You could be I dying. Love you so much for sure. Listen, because yeah. we've all been there. We've all had like, you know, we've all had work experience where we're mm-hmm. like, oh, sweet Lord. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I did my best, but I don't know, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. And, or and maybe I, I didn't, it wasn't that awesome, you know. Well, and and they're good people. I mean, you know, yes. every once in a while, yeah, you you've got, you know, the the, the Yeah, it, you're like you know, uh, and, and but but yeah, I mean they're good people and and sometimes maybe it's just not a good personality fit either. Totally. I mean, you know, there's yes. there's all sorts of things. Yeah. But but yeah, you know, the second somebody would say, "Well, it was okay." Yeah. Uh-uh. No. no. I know. That's what's what is that called? Damning praise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's I don't want to work with yeah. anybody that's just okay. I mean, they're the I know. I don't want any damning yeah. praise. Yeah. Only they're, they're the, the you know, the praise. 3 stars out of yeah. 5. Oh my gosh. Right? You know. And, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and 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 I want to be a four star, and and you know, and and why Listen, am I not a five? Right? Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. So 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 true. So true. Yeah. You know, and and, and, and you know, you, you look at it. You know, it, 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 reviews. Are you going to pick somebody who has lots of threes? It depends on what it is. I mean, exactly. You know, okay. It's the only restaurant Listen, in town. I guess know, I'll go. But you know. so so I. Work with clients a lot because um, once you've created a niche, mm-hmm. then it's really about ensuring that you have that you're positioned properly inside mm-hmm. that niche. And a right. great way to do that, like how do you position yourself? Mm-hmm. It's really by first, who do you serve? Mm-hmm. And then what is the promise of the work mm-hmm. that you do? Right. What do you actually, what are people mm-hmm. actually buying and actually mm-hmm. paying you for? And so we were working through that. 
and we we go through an exercise and and it's really about taking a look at the outcomes that have mm-hmm. been the result so right. that they're not these false ridiculous claims rooted in nothing mm-hmm. that these are promises based in actual results mm-hmm. that have been consistently and predictably mm-hmm. uncovered over time and right. most of the clients that we work with when they go through this exercise they are blown away mm-hmm. by their own work mm-hmm. like when you really actually look at it objectively mm-hmm. what happened what happened what happened anyway So we arrived at this place and what my client uncovered is that in case study after case study after case study, as a result of the work that she and her um, employees did in their company, they were helping senior leaders um, get promotions into senior roles five times as fast. Wow. And their salary increases were five times greater than the average. Hmm. That's right? impressive. Mm-hmm. It's impressive. So not five times the salary, five times the salary increase. So rather than a $10,000 annual increase, mm-hmm. it would be a 50,000, mm-hmm. just to be very clear. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be very, yeah. Yeah. So she's talking about this. And so, so I was like, that is a powerful promise mm-hmm. and it's consistent. You have case study mm-hmm. after case study. And so then she says, which is what so many entrepreneurs, well, what happens if, if somebody comes in and I can't do it? I was like, mm-hmm. you can't work with someone. Right. That you couldn't do that for. That's what that is. That's what that's about. Like, Mm -hmm. and the change. And I was like, all of a sudden, it becomes you understand very much who your client is. Mm -hmm. It's you're only going to work with people when you make a powerful promise and a powerful claim that's rooted in in, um, in provable fact. Mm and rooted in case study after case study, and you own that claim, Mm -hmm. now you need to only work with clients Mm -hmm. who can own that claim. And I'm telling you, you know, and she, and I was, so I was like, in order to be able to have this outcome, what would your client need to have in place? Mm -hmm. And she knew they would need to be this, they would need to be this, Mm -hmm. they'd need to have this type of attitude, Mm -hmm. they would need to have this type of work ethic. And I was like, then you need to be able to, in your sales process, qualify. And then you start to only work with clients like that. Mm -hmm. This is the power, right? Of really clear niching and effective Mm -hmm. positioning. It becomes this incredible protection Mm -hmm. (laughs) for you and your business. It allows you to scale by working with only the best, you know, Mm -hmm. or only the people in your, you know, who are going to help you accomplish. And it allows you to market hard, Mm-hmm. All in, claim the power right. of your work mm-hmm. without the fear mm-hmm. that you're not being that you're being disingenuous. You know, like we know that for me, I know that if a client hasn't already proven mm-hmm. they can sell a hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. of their offerings, mm-hmm. then they're not going to be. I can't right. help them scale right. to a million. Like I just can't. Like you right. know, mm-hmm. it's not the time. Come mm-hmm. back when you've actually mm-hmm. when you know how to right. sell. You know, like. Mm-hmm. It helps you weed away. And, mm-hmm. and it's not just for you. It's for, for the buyers. Mm-hmm. They are able to say, okay, this is, I love them, but you know what? They're not for me yet. Right. But, but when I get there, that's who I'm going to call. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, so. and you know, we, we think, well, we're leaving money on the table, but we're gaining money with that because again, your staff or you are focused on only providing, you know, to those people, but just think marketing. I mean, you know, you're not spreading your message, however you're doing it to the world. Yeah. You're right where they need to be. You know, I, and now fortunately this is years ago and, and I don't think they do this anymore. You know, when people bought fans and followers on Twitter, Facebook, all the various social media accounts, 
And you could, you know, for not a not a big sum of money, buy 5,000 new followers. And, you know, I had clients who told me to do that. Now, those were usually in third world countries. They were, you know, now they wouldn't even be real people. They would just be bots. But, you know, I, I and I, I refused every single time. And I had one client that told me he was going to fire me. And I'm like, well, fine. You know, clearly this is not going to work. But, you know, their important metric was the number of followers they had. And I tried to explain, you know, you can have 10,000 followers, but if 9,900 of those are not going to buy from you, why are you wasting your time and your money and your efforts even talking to them? Exactly. And their response would be, well, but they might. And, <laughs> you know, and granted, they That's might. That's true. But, exactly. you know, I, no, you know, we, we want to sell to the they wills, not the they mights, right? Oh, yes. Yes, exactly. Like, you know, and I and I do really think that um, it's about, it's interesting the degree to which social platforms, mm-hmm. Instagram, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, they've, they've really allowed for this tremendous visibility, mm-hmm. um, this tremendous exchange of, you know, ideas. Um, they're incredible marketing tools, mm-hmm. but people mistake marketing they, I think there can sometimes be an overemphasis on marketing mm-hmm. and an underemphasis on actual selling. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and I have, it's been so interesting. You know, I have definitely encountered many people who have huge social platforms mm-hmm. who are broke influencers. Mm-hmm. You know, they really understand how right. to get attention, but mm-hmm. they haven't cultivated that skill mm-hmm. of translating attention into money. Mm-hmm. And they've confused fans with buyers, mm-hmm. to your point, right. and they're very different. So, for instance, mm-hmm. in my market, I know um, I'm a creeper. Mm-hmm. So, so, what I mean by that is, I'm never gonna. You're never gonna see me commenting on anything. Right. I'm a stalker <laughs> too, <laughs> right? Like I watch. I and then I, I'm like, okay, that's useful. Maybe I should. <laughs> maybe I should. That lawyer has an interesting approach, or that person would be. Mm-hmm. They will not. I won't be on their list. Mm-hmm. I won't be. They will never. There will be right. no engagements, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm reaching out right. to work with them, and so mm-hmm. I think people like you need to think about like sometimes, and that might be true for some, might not be true for all segments, mm-hmm. right? But I've certainly seen that with some of our people. They are not. They're not commenting because mm-hmm. they don't have time. Right. Because they're overworked it consultants. Does, and it, but like, it doesn't mean they're not paying attention. And, and that's what I tell people. You know, yes. And it's frustrating. I mean, you know, you you write this great post on LinkedIn and crickets. Yes. That doesn't mean people didn't see it. I mean, you know, and, and but it's very frustrating to, to yep. think I spent all that time. And, you know, it's like, you know, and, and and there could be a variety of reasons why it just didn't hit at that moment. It was great content, post it again later. Yes. You know, there's no rule that says you can't do that. But yeah, but yeah it's that's that's hard, especially when you are on your own. You know, yeah. or you know, maybe you're the you know, the business of ten thousand. You're like, is hello, is there yeah. anybody out there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, it's uh yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's so important, you know critical thinking, Mm -hmm. 
right? Like the, the ability to sit back and think critically. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such an important skill, especially, you know, when we're living in an age of so much stimulus, mm-hmm. so much, so much input, the ability to sort through and think critically and, and stay focused on the big picture mm-hmm. and ask ourselves, is this really an effective action right, right now? Or is it a waste of my time? Mm-hmm. You know, these things are, are key. Right. Yeah. You know, and and I'm the biggest squirrel, you know, and actually I've decided I'm going to call it butterfly, right? That yeah. Oh, so, yes, it does. It does. Um, but, you know, and so I have to watch that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and people, you know, they know that I do social media for a living. Yes. And so they'll say, well, what should we do on TikTok? And I say, I don't know. Yeah. And well, what should we do on an egg? Somebody called it egg to me one day and it oh, took me a while to figure out they made Instagram them. and I'm thinking, okay, yeah, they, they shouldn't be there because they don't even know what it's called. But I, I don't use those platforms. I yeah. use Facebook. I use LinkedIn and a very limited Twitter just because yeah. you know, that's, that's a quick, easy way to get messaging out there. But, you know, and part of that is because I do go, oh, butterfly, yes. cat video. I mean, you know, all yes. those things. And so, but also I know that for the people that I'm trying to reach, that's where they are. You know, yeah. they're not on TikTok. They're not, uh, I about said Tic Tac. They're not yeah. on TikTok. They're not oh, on I say Tic Twerk. I know. <laughs> you know. They're not on those platforms. And so I'm not going to spend my time there. And, and you know, now if I have a client who their demographics match those, then I'm going to have to learn to use those platforms. Yeah. Yep. But, but, or more importantly, yeah. Okay. We're going to circle back on this, right? I'm going to tell them I don't use those platforms. Here's someone who can. <laughs> Right. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Agreed. And I think that there's something powerful about, about people who are okay with staying in their lane. Mm -hmm. I, there's this great story Mm -hmm. about, um, in 1918, this German physicist named Max Planck won Mm -hmm. the Nobel prize for physics. He was the guy who essentially originated quantum theory. And so, because he's now a thought leader, Mm -hmm. he started touring Germany um, in, in, you know, town to town to town, Mm -hmm. giving the same public lecture at town after town after town. And he had this chauffeur, and the chauffeur drove him everywhere. And the chauffeur was an excellent mimic. Mm-hmm. And one day he says to Max Planck, they're going to Berlin. And he says, Max, you must be bored to tears of doing this same lecture over and over again. Why don't I dress up like you? You dress <laughs> up like the chauffeur. I'll give the lecture and you sit in the front row. Mm-hmm. And so Max this, thinks this is a great idea. So the, the driver goes up and delivers Max Planck's lecture. Oh my gosh. Him, right. Mm-hmm. And at the end, he gets a standing ovation. And at the end, somebody stands up and asks a question. And the chauffeur doesn't know how to answer it. Right. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> I know so the speech. The- I don't know the I don't know the question, the answers. <laughs> no critical thinking, right? No, no, maybe critical, just not the deep knowledge. Mm-hmm. So he says, Oh my gosh, I'm surprised that people in this esteemed city of Berlin, ask such simple, basic <gasps> questions that even my chauffeur could answer. Chauffeur, please stand and answer this question, right? So it's a great story. But Charlie Munger, who was Warren Buffett's business partner, mm-hmm. went on to make the distinction between chauffeur knowledge mm-hmm. and deep knowledge. Right. You know, and I think what you're talking about is true. When you niche down, mm-hmm. 
you allow yourself to have deep knowledge. And so in the story that you just shared, you know, it's like deep knowledge of the platforms and mm-hmm. deep knowledge of the client base. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that you can't over time also have deep knowledge in these other platforms, right. mm-hmm. but you can tell the difference between a deep knowledge person and a chauffeur knowledge person. Mm-hmm. And that a deep knowledge person is generally going to stay in their area of competence. Mm-hmm. Right. They know what they know. Mm-hmm. They respect you know, the acquisition mm-hmm. of knowledge and expertise mm-hmm. enough. They're like, no, like there's nuances. There's no mm-hmm. blanket rules. There's nuances. So I'm going to stay in this area and own mm-hmm. this. And if it's not my area, I'm going to refer you to mm-hmm. somebody who is an expert right. in this space. Right. And that's really powerful. You know, it's like, it's the ability to do that, to stand in your power, to, to be a deep knowledge practitioner. First of all, it's more fun. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to sit down with you and talk all about like Facebook and mm-hmm. you know like Twitter, right? It's Facebook, Twitter, and and Instagram, right? No LinkedIn, no egg, no egg. Facebook and LinkedIn, <laughs> right? Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, right? And and it's enough. It requires deep knowledge because they change. They're changing. I know. Constantly, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Right. And so yeah, I think there's both. There is a humility mm-hmm. that is required to be the best in your field. Mm -hmm. That's what people don't think about. You know, there's a true humility. Mm -hmm. And so chauffeur knowledge, Mm -hmm. you can tell there's just a lack of humility. Um, Deep knowledge, there's always humility. No, no, no. I totally know my Mm -hmm. stuff here, but over here, I don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I don't know why this popped into my head. I was thinking about the, and you're way too young to know any of this, the, the, the Hoover vacuum cleaner salespeople. Yes. They would go to your door and they would sell uh-huh. you the Hoover vacuum cleaner. Mm-hmm. If you asked them about anything besides a Hoover vacuum cleaner, they could not answer those questions. You know, but they could tell you anything and everything about that vacuum cleaner, stuff that you mm-hmm. never even cared about, right? Yes. Um, but, you know, and, and so that comes back to it. I mean, you know, I think we all need to really be those specialists yeah. in order to truly be successful. And you're not leaving money on the table, folks. You're, you might be making the table smaller, yeah. but the money's going to go higher. Absolutely. Yeah. I've seen it time and time again. And, you know, and then the thing is, you know, w- w- looping back to the part of our conversation where we we're talking about Neutrogena, you start by focusing and that's what allows you to own your space. And then in time, as you build up huge cash mm-hmm. reserves, as you build up high level employees, mm-hmm. as you build up excellent processes mm-hmm. and systems, now you have the capacity to go a little broader mm-hmm. and you will see that because that's the growth path for Disney, right? Disney owned what it did. How has it grown mm-hmm. by buying Marvel? Mm-hmm. Right? right, by Which is very similar. They didn't right. buy Amazon, right? Like they they start to expand it a little bit from like kids' cartoons to like superhero, mm-hmm. but it's in the same milieu. But they were well established mm-hmm. in their niche before they ever started doing that. So right. this idea of acquisition, mm-hmm. but they grow. The acquisition is all about buying other mm-hmm. specialists, right? So uh, this understanding of business strategy and effective strategies to mm-hmm. growth, it's so it's so key for entrepreneurs. Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh, Eleanor. We, you know, we we obviously have to have you on again because we just 
have, have barely well, touched blew by. We blew so through that hour, See, Deb. Oh, my goodness. This is why I set the timer because, you know, yeah. I, I was joking before that, you know, we'd, lunch would come and go and we'd still be talking. I didn't believe you. Now I, I get know, it. I know. I yeah. know. You know, and, and so, you know, but we need you to tell us what services do you provide and how do people reach mm-hmm. out to you? Thank you so much for the opportunity. So my focus at Safi Media is really helping women entrepreneurs who run service-based businesses or knowledge-based businesses, coaches, consultants, service providers, architects, you know, chiropractors, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We work with women like that to help them sustainably scale past a million in revenue. And we do it in two ways. Number one, we help you uncover a strong, lucrative niche, mm-hmm. build a scalable offer, and ensure that offer is effectively positioned and messaged. Mm -hmm. And I do that in the power presence position business accelerator. That's where I encourage everybody to start. And some people like you need to understand this is for companies. We have companies coming into that who are already doing multiple six figures, Mm -hmm. sometimes even seven, but their growth is completely Mm -hmm. unsustainable. Mm -hmm. So we help them really declutter and Mm -hmm. focus that business. So it becomes a cash producing machine. And then from there, we help them scale it in a program called the Incubator. Um, we have been recognized globally. We've won a number of awards for the work that we do with founders. We're the real deal. Um, and so if what you've heard here speaks to you, I encourage you to go to powerpresenceposition.com or coachwitheleanor.com. You go to those two places. You can read about how we work with people and apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really kind of what that's the core of what we do. And obviously you're very big on LinkedIn. So people can find yes. you there. They can totally find me. Thank you. Um, yes. So I my read your website. I saw that. LinkedIn is my favorite. Um, Jay, you know, it's a fantastic. So I'm on LinkedIn at Eleanor Beaton, um, on Instagram at Eleanor Beaton. And the podcast is Power Presence Position. Um, if you're a podcast listener, you may um, like to check that out as well. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, this has been so much fun. And as I said, we will have you on again because we didn't even get through half of the list of things that you <laughs> Come wanted on. to cover. I know. I so, know. So we will definitely do this again. But until then, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Yeah. So number one, um, if you are not niche down, you're leaving money on the table. Number two, people think that scaling your company is about addition. It's not. Scaling is about subtraction then multiplication in that order. That's the second thing that I would really add. I love it. I love it. Well, I have been having just so much fun talking with Eleanor Beaton. Can't wait to do it again. Until then, I'm Deb Creer, and everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>